of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is Veterans Voices on KFOR, a weekly update of news, events, deadlines, new programs, and new opportunities for veterans of all branches of the military. I'm Charlie Brogan. Our program is presented by Barry Law Firm, serving veterans worldwide from their headquarters in Lincoln, Nebraska. The Nebraska Legislature is working on several bills affecting veterans in their current session. We ask one of the legislature's most active veterans advocates, Senator Tom Brewer of Gordon, himself retired after more than 30 years of service to the country, to give us an update on what's active right now. Well, obviously the, the biggest one by far is, is uh, 153, detaxing a 50% of, uh, of military retirement, and that one is through two rounds and at this point i don't see there being any i mean it was the governor's bill originally so that one i think will just continue to come through the system without any opposition so i I would predict that will become law and and so that that was our big win on the year all right. Well, it's been identified as a, an economic development issue as well as a fairness issue, so it sounds like everybody's pretty happy with it. Yes, um, and sometimes you have to remind folks of that as they get so focused on these huge economic development bills for for Lincoln and Omaha. You know, the LB 720, which is the one overall one for the state, really doesn't focus anything on veterans. So sometimes you have to remind them that if these guys leave off it, and retire and move out of Nebraska that they don't own homes, their kids don't go to schools, they don't pay taxes. I mean, all the negatives that come with that is is a reason they ought to be trying to keep them here and put them back to work, and, and they're, they're going to have a second job. So uh, even if part of their retirement is detaxed, uh, the, the second job they're working and uh, between income and sales tax and property tax, uh, we'll still get a pretty good slice of their livelihood. A second job, or perhaps even start a business of their own. Yes, good point. And, and maybe that's an incentive area that we need to focus on, too. From there, we have, you know, a lot of, I guess what you call smaller bills. We don't really have any major bills that are going to cause a fundamental change. Uh, the, the the next biggest one would be uh, LB 911, which is the bill that will establish the state cemetery in Grand Island. And our challenge there is moving some land back from the city of uh, Grand Island, which was originally given to them when the veterans home moved to Kearney. And so there's some technical things that need to be done for that, but everybody's in favor of that. Uh, we do have an A-bill, a cost with it, and that's being determined by uh, John Hilgers from the, uh, from the Veterans Administration. 
So that will uh, probably mirror the uh, cemetery in Alliance and uh, will require, you know, some roads and some structure so that there's a, a place where you can have a ceremony and uh, people to set and 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 just kind of a, a nice aesthetic to that so that when people come there and see it and, and there's there's a number of individuals that have been buried in that cemetery already so we're just expanding what exists there now but that really wasn't very well maintained and 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 so this will you know bring the honor that it deserves and uh, as far as a, a bill like 153 that's active is there anything that a that veterans should be doing right now if they if they approve of that and want to see it passed no, it's pretty much on autopilot now. What we're trying to do now is get feedback from veterans in spots where we may have not realized that there's a problem, that we need to kind of fill a void that, that uh, is is causing some challenges for them in order to get benefits or, or services. Uh, and um, if you look at the new improvements going in both Lincoln and Omaha, you know the Veterans Administration has has really been pretty good with how they have uh, improved the services because now we have this care in the community, which is simply where they um, because they can't meet the requirements just send you to the uh, local doctors, and I'm using that myself and and it has been wonderful. The doctors I've seen here in Lincoln they they're not having any challenges with. Um, getting bills paid and getting approval for care. And so I think that Veterans Administration generally in the last few years have really stepped up their game, uh, both with facilities and how they treat veterans. So, you know, it's a good news story, but I think there's probably still places where we need to do more. We're, we're still working some homestead exemption bills that are being tweaked in, in revenue committees so that uh, they look right. We're going to look at uh, kind of a uh, meshing of uh, the federal and the state so that uh, some of the problems we have now with carryover of issues, and um, I think there's still a few license plate issues we're working with um, possibly adding another category of license plate possibly for uh, either uh, Silver Star, Bronze Star recipients. So, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff in the works. Uh, it's it's the cost issue that always determines whether or not we're going to be able to provide additional things that that people want or need. Uh, and uh, this year we do have a little extra money, so there are some things that are getting traction, and that's what gave us the bill to get 153. At it came up a few years ago, and we we're most of a billion dollars down. You know, it really had no hope, but. Uh, now it, it's a good idea. People knew it was a good idea. We just didn't have the, the money to do it. That's District 43, Nebraska State Senator Tom Brewer from Gordon. Anytime you need information on any bill before the legislature, you can find a summary and a complete copy at nebraskalegislature.gov. Also at the Nebraska State House this past week, Governor Pete Ricketts signed an order naming U.S. Highway 20 which crosses the state near its northern border, the Medal of Honor Highway. It's part of a national effort, and for details, we contacted Daryl Harrison, the president of the Nebraska Medal of Honor Foundation. That all started with an effort out of Oregon, the Oregon American Legion, including a Medal of Honor recipient named Bob Maxwell, saw 
Highway 20, which reaches from Newport, Oregon, all the way to Boston, Massachusetts, as an ideal means of recognizing our greatest heroes, the Medal of Honor recipients. It was a lot of work. You have to have the authorization of each community on a highway to be renamed. And being that highway is as long as it is, that was 31 communities. And then you had to have authorization from each county, which was 12. Now, eventually, what we want is that when this is done by each state all the way across the nation, the next layer above U.S. 20 would be the National Medal of Honor Highway. What does it actually mean to declare Highway 20 the Medal of Honor Highway, and, and what will be along the way for people to see to know that that's the declaration that's been made? We want to put up signage, and the group that gets it passed is responsible to pay for the signage. So in order to do that, the Nebraska Medal of Honor Foundation was put together. And in its first phase, the foundation wants to put up 10 signs. These signs are much larger, much more embellished upon and visual to the passerby. And we want one on each end of the state. We want two at Gordon. We want two at Valentine. Valentine because we have a unique crossing in the state of Nebraska. That's where the BFW Highway, north to south across America, goes. And then two at O'Neill, Nebraska, where the American Legion Memorial Highway runs north-south across America. So Nebraska has two very unique points in this highway. And then when we get to where Highway 20 diverges from 275, we want signage there. That takes us into South Sioux, Nebraska, which has Siouxland Freedom Park. Siouxland Freedom Park has a half-scale rendition of the uh, Vietnam War Memorial, and that park is the center point from coast to coast of Highway 20. So what we've got is a true warrior's highway, and what I like to think of as being a true new Nebraska treasure that will have signage, and it will be the duty of the uh, foundation to continue to put up more things as a means of better representation and better recognizing the Medal of Honor recipients of Nebraska. Okay, we have the highway. Now, uh, the next step, of course, is putting the signs up. Are they painted and ready to load in the trucks and head out? That's my dream. (laughs) (laughs) What what is the timetable, actually? We have 10 signs, as I mentioned earlier, that we want in the initial phase. Those signs are about $2,000 a piece that we want. So, as you can easily do the math, I'm looking for $20,000 just to get us started. So, if somebody wants to donate to this fund to put up the signs, how do they do that? There's two ways they can do it very easily. They can send me a check made out to the Nebraska Medal of Honor Foundation, and we are a registered 501c3, so they can do it that way, send a check to uh, Box 266. Thurston, Nebraska, 68062. And if somebody does not exactly have a memory to remember that right now, is there a website, Nebraska Medal of Honor Foundation, or Facebook page or something where they can find it? Right. Oh, we've got a website, Nebraska Medal of Honor Foundation.org. And so that's. On there we have a donate button. So that's our second means for people to be able to donate is right there off the uh, internet. If you raise the first $4,000, are you going to do the first two signs or are you going to wait till you have the four old 20000 before you start. Well, I'd like to try to come up with that $20,000 first, and that's one of the reasons why Ken and I are walking across the state of Nebraska. Tell me about that walk. What's what's involved there, and when's that going to occur? We walk at three miles an hour minimum. Each of us walk six miles, alternating, 18 miles each day for each of us for a total of 36 miles, plus we walk one together. One together is just to get us a buffer zone 
when we get down to the end, when we get to Jackson, Nebraska, where we'll stage for our entry into South Sioux. South Sioux is announcing their new career war memorial that day, and they also have a POW MIA Remembrance Run Walk on that day. And the American Legion National Commander will be meeting us there. And, and when's that going to take place? May 11th. We take off May 11th. So your mission starts on May 11th, and uh, how long is it going to take you all together to get to, to Sioux City? Twelve days. Along the way, maybe you'll pick up some donations and get some press coverage and, and get some uh, pretty good publicity for it then. That's our hope. All right. Well, you've got the we've got the Medal of Honor Foundation website where people can get full information on it. You have the uh, fundraising underway for the signs, and you've got your walk scheduled for May. So you have your work cut out for you, not only here in Nebraska, but also across the, uh, the nation, an effort to uh, complete the Nebraska Medal of Honor Highway. That's Daryl Harrison, president of the Nebraska Medal of Honor Foundation. If you want more information or would like to contribute to their sign campaign, you can get complete details at NebraskaMedalOfHonorFoundation.org. This is Veterans Voices on KFOR, presented by Barry Law Firm of Lincoln. I'm Charlie Brogan. Every month, the Veterans Advisory Group here in Lincoln holds an informal VA coffee house. It's held at the Old Vets Hospital just south of 70th and O. Dave Rusk, a local musician who fronts a group called Three Chords in a Cloud of Dust, is one of those who helps organize it. So we wanted to give him an opportunity to invite you as well. The VA Coffee House started eight years ago in February. Our very first VA Coffee House was in the canteen, which is on the first floor of the VA at, on 70th Street. The whole idea was that music kind of reaches the soul and the person in a way that no other outside sense can. So we wanted the veterans to all be participants in the music, whether it's just tapping their toe or singing a couple of verses of You Are My Sunshine. But then we also wanted the public to come to say thank you for your service, and everything's free. So it's open to the public. It's the third Friday of every month, and we start at 11 a.m. at the VA Auditorium. And that's at 600 South 70th Street here in Lincoln. So you come in, you have kind of a little jam session, there's coffee, and people just sort of commune. Right. We have all sorts of people that want to contribute for the goodies, (laughs) The VA does provide the coffee, but different people provide money or buy certain things, cookies. We're going to have a great big cake here at the next VA Coffee House here in February because it's our eighth anniversary. All of this is free, and there's different entertainment each Friday, and that's my job. So I I kind of line up entertainment. We have no budget, of course. But anybody that plays, plays free. But we've had different groups. Chris Sayer comes to mind, Bill Crastile, Elvis, the Kramer sisters out of uh, Crete, Nebraska have played many times. We've got a group out of Cortland called uh, Nebraska Country Roads that will be there in April. But it's just a time, and they usually play for an hour, hour and a half. So today is Sunday the 16th, so you have one coming up. 
Yes, we do. And I don't have a calendar right here in front of me, but it will be uh Well, it would be Friday. This, this Friday the 21st. Yes, that, there you go. Okay, so any veteran or any member of the public interested in supporting veterans and thanking veterans is, is welcome to come. Please come. If, is, you, if you look at the complex from 70th Street, clear on the left of the building is the auditorium. There's a parking lot to the north of that, and if they enter on the basement level, there's a elevator that goes up to first floor. So if you have trouble with steps or anything like that, there is an elevator that'll get you to the auditorium. From our how-to file, one of the big questions facing most veterans at one time or another, do I need the service of an attorney in order to get the benefits I deserve? We ask attorney Emily Weiss of Barry Law Firm to help us out with some general information. Typically, when veterans come to us, they've already received a denial. So they've already submitted some basic evidence and their basic application for a claim. Let's use PTSD, for example. They've submitted their stressor, the event in the service that they believe caused their PTSD and any sort of medical documents that they might have. Unfortunately, for some reason or another, the VA has denied their claim or only gave them, let's say, a 30% rating on their PTSD and they believe that they deserve a little bit higher. They'll come to us with their rating decision and any other information, medical records that they have. If they successfully get through our intake process, we'll then work with the client one-on-one, figure out what evidence is missing, what specifically do they need to show the VA to get that benefit or to get the rating level that they want. How does a veteran know when they should go to an attorney for a veterans-related issue like that? So we have some veterans who decide they receive their first denial um, and they just don't want to deal with it anymore, so they contact us right away. We've also had some clients who've decided that this is too much for me, I need legal assistance. It's really based on the veteran's capabilities and their capacity to deal with the bureaucracy of the VA. Some don't even want to deal with it and some are fairly capable and and willing to fight the VA on their own. It's just at whatever point that they feel they need to start getting counseling and, and assistance with the case. This system is actually supposed to be set up where the veteran shouldn't need an attorney, but it's gotten so bogged down that in many cases they have no choice but to get legal assistance because it's become so complicated and convoluted. Does a veteran who has a case or an issue Mm -hmm. have to do a lot of traveling, go to Washington, D.C. to plead their case, or can they do it through your office or a a, a hearing here in Lincoln, or, or what's the logistics of doing it? The logistics are actually fairly easy. To be completely honest, we have clients all over the world, Europe, the Middle East, I believe we have at least one client in all 50 states and a couple of the territories. Most everything can be handled either over the phone, via email, as far as correspondence between the client and myself. If we do have to go to a hearing, it's usually either over the phone or at their local regional office. For example, in Nebraska, it's in Lincoln. So all I would need to do is set up the hearing, notify the respective regional offices. Let's say I have a client in South Dakota 
Dakota. Their regional office, I believe, is in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I'd call them up, say, hey, I got a client who needs this hearing. Please make sure to have the video conference set up for him. I'll be in Lincoln calling in. And then we'll have the uh, Veterans Law Judge in D.C. calling in. So it's a three-way phone call. Um, it's pretty simple. I've never had uh, any significant issues setting anything up. The biggest travel would be, for example, in Nebraska, if a client lives in Grand Island, they'd have to commute to Lincoln. What percent of cases just roughly go to hearing versus get a settlement simply because of your intervention? I, I, I can't answer that. I, I honestly don't know. I couldn't even guest, get, oh. guesstimate. I mean, I can say that um, I have quite a few clients, uh, around 250 right now, um, and I've only been to about four hearings since September. So it's not very common that veterans get hearings. It's usually only if they were specifically requested. So a lot of these can just be worked out by engaging your services, you working through it with the VA mm -hmm. or whatever the agency is and settling it that way. Yeah. I have quite a few clients who, you know, I, I take them on in the intake process, have my initial consultation with them, and I won't speak for the, uh, speak to them directly for three, four months until I actually need evidence or I have good a good report or we need to... Um, readdress our game plan because maybe we didn't get um, a result that we wanted in the with a rating decision. Obviously you don't do this for free, you do it for a living. How mm -hmm. does a veteran do that economic analysis and decide whether it's going to be cost effective and, and give them a positive outcome for the rest of their life? Okay, yeah, so uh, we, the veteran does not actually pay us up front. We do not get paid unless there is what's called a back pay, and then the veteran would pay us from that back pay. So let's say veteran has PTSD at 30%, he wants to get it up to 50%. If uh, we're able to get him that increase, he'll get the difference between the 30 and the 50% for however many months or years that the effective date of the 50% goes back. He will then pay us from that pot, and we have no interest in any other sort of money that he might get in the future. So they don't have to come up with this huge pile of money to plunk down to retain your services in. That's correct. It's, it's To sign on as a client, it is at, uh, no cost to the, the veteran. The veteran only comes when they get that benefit. Obviously, every case is going to be different. Every mm -hmm. case is going to be a different amount, but in, in the case you're talking about it's pretty simple. Yep, that, that would be a very simple case, obviously. We have more complex cases. Of course, that's general advice. You should talk to a legal professional or other trusted advisor before making any final decisions. Emily and all her colleagues can be found at jsberrylaw.com. That's B-E-R-R-Y, jsberrylaw.com. And that's Veterans Voices for this week. We'll be on every Sunday morning from 7.30 to 8 here on KFOR and available 24-7 worldwide on the podcast tab at kfornow.com. Hoping you have a great week. I'm Charlie Brogan.